Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. And for this week only, get a 110% sign-on bonus. 110% of your initial deposit by using code NEXTROUND. That's MyBookie.ag, code NEXTROUND. All right, Todd Furman is co-founder of BetTheBoardPodcast.com. BetTheBoardPodcast.com. Former oddsmaker Caesars Palace at Todd Furman on Twitter. And with us on the JohnstonRVCenter.com hotline. What is up, Furman? How are you today? I'm doing well, gentlemen. NASCAR season starts in earnest Sunday out on the West Coast at the uh, non-points-paying race at the L.A. Coliseum for the Bush Clash. A little Daytona in two weeks, uh, but apparently there's a big football game, I've been told, a week from Sunday as well. Um, Martin Truex Jr. on the short yeah. course. Go with it. You're, um, yeah. Would you say that is your – I mean, I don't want to paint you in a box, but you're, you're really good on the NASCAR stuff. NASCAR typically for us has been one of our higher ROI sports from a betting perspective. Now it's significantly more difficult to try and bet the same amounts on NASCAR compared to college football and the NFL, but it is an arena where we have done well in the past. I know the sport continues to make rules modifications, which always puts us a little bit behind the eight ball early in the year, but it's a lot of fun to bet. And let me tell you, the sweat's significantly different uh, trying to dodge those late race cautions than it is the two minute offense with a team sneaking in the back door with an SEC non-conference game. Do you have a play on, on, the, on the Bush clash, the clash at the Coliseum? Took a couple of long shots uh, in the race this weekend. Have a piece of Bubba Wallace uh, north of 20 to 1 there. Austin Dillon in that 35 to 1 range. Uh, and this is a race where we'll get those heat races on Saturday that'll give us a much better indication. So you try and lock up a little bit of the long shot value early, which will allow you to come over the top with a favorite or two that qualifies in good position before Sunday's race. Yeah, you got to have somebody who doesn't mind pushing somebody out of the way. Uh, in, in this race because the track's so small. So uh, it's dirt. Yeah, I mean, no, no, it's pavement. Oh, is it pavement? Oh, that's yeah. right. It, Bristol's a, the dirt. It, yeah, it, it's a good old fashioned bull ring there, and uh, all you want to try and do is come out of there with a victory or not make season long enemies. So Dunaway is spot on with his analysis here, and some drivers have a lot more experience on this type of track type than others. Uh, Furman absolutely curb stomped in the conference championship games, and I think coaching really cost me. I didn't understand Todd Munkin's a name we really haven't mentioned much because they've had a lot of success with this Baltimore offense. But how you only run the ball 16 times against the Chiefs and put all that pressure on Lamar Jackson, I just didn't really get the play calling. It is a great question and one that I wish I had answers to, quite frankly, because when you look at the way the Ravens came out and attack early, they wanted to make Lamar Jackson a drop-back passer. You get six combined carries between Gus Edwards and Justice Hill against a team that had been pushed around in the trenches against heavy sets the week before in the Buffalo Bills, and we didn't even see designed runs for Lamar Jackson. The rushing attempts are a little bit misleading because it was more him scrambling, trying to dodge pressure, and while it's not quite an apples-to-apples comparison, the one game that I come back to in the college ranks that does have, you know, Todd Munkin as the connecting fiber there is the way that Georgia chose to attack Alabama in the SEC title game. They come out in the opening drive. Carson Beck has a tremendous amount of success throwing the football against the Alabama defense, and Georgia just decided, you know what, we're not going to utilize that approach. We're going to try and run the ball into loaded boxes and hope that's going to be enough to get us across the finish line. Quite frankly, LT, if Zay Flowers gets into the end zone with that touchdown, you know, midway through the third quarter, I think Baltimore finds a way to win that football game 
because defensively they had made the proper adjustments, completely clamped down on Kansas City. Uh, but I would love to know what Munkin, Coach Harbaugh, and company were thinking with the way they chose to come out and attack Kansas City from start to finish. Furman is with us on the JohnstonRVCenter.com hotline. Um, so one thing you guys do is you got like your power rankings, and I assume you could correct me if I'm wrong here, Furman, because my question hinges on whether this is right or wrong. To, to come up with a power ranking, I mean, you guys just kind of evaluate each position, right? Like position by position for the 49ers. You know, it, it's very interesting because there are a couple ways to skin a cat when you're looking at developing power ratings. You do have player values for a lot of the folks that will impact numbers in the NFL. So you have a great idea in terms of which quarterbacks are worth three points, which are worth seven, in some cases even more, based on the backup situations. So you kind of play the plug-and-play type model, but you look at a lot of the underlying numbers, you look at the counting stats, and you come up with a mathematical equation that has you landing on a certain spot. So when you look at a game like this, it's been a fluid situation because Kansas City's power number right now going into Super Bowl is the highest that it's been arguably since the beginning of the season is the way the betting market is treating them. Meanwhile, the 49ers number has come down considerably uh, given some of those improbable finishes in each of the last two weeks in the playoffs. So you never want to over-adjust for current form. But this game, for example, if we were playing on Christmas, the same Christmas day where we saw the 49ers lose outright to the Ravens as nearly a touchdown favorite and the Chiefs lose outright as a double-digit favorite to the Raiders, you'd be looking at the 49ers in that 4.5-5 range on a neutral field. So Cam Newton yesterday said Brock Purdy's the tenth, maybe the 10th best player on the San Francisco roster, and people were making a big deal about it. I'm like, I don't even think that's that controversial a statement. I mean... Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, Dre Greenlaw, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, uh, Debo Fred, Samuel, Fred Warner, Debo Samuel. I mean, it's George Kittle. George Ayuk. Kittle is Brendan. I, it's not that hard to get ten guys that are probably better than Brock Purdy. I don't think that's that controversial statement, is it? It's not, but from a point spread perspective, you would be making a much bigger adjustment sure. if Brock Purdy was out of the game going to Sam Darnold compared to Fred Warner missing or Drake Greenlaw. I mean, we saw some prominent national personalities try and make Debo Samuel worth more than a field goal, which you got to pump the brakes a little bit. I understand what he adds from a dimension and a unique creative flexibility standpoint for Kyle Shanahan, but the quarterback is the catalyst in all of this. But if you're looking from a pure talent perspective, ranking by position, I don't think it's that big a hot take whatsoever for Brock Purdy, where he ranks amongst NFL quarterbacks compared to a lot of the other difference makers on this particular roster. I like the way Seth thinks over in our chat room. He puts 100 down on Sam Darnold, a Super Bowl MVP, <laughs> and then hopes for an injury maybe before wow. even the game gets Blood out sport. there. Blood yeah. sport for him. Here's the thing for Seth. Uh, he'd be working against a little bit of history. We have not had a USC alum uh, ever win a Super Bowl at the quarterback position, so we would have to try and break from tradition. Now, it may make my wife thrilled as a proud USC alum if Sam Darnold came in to save the day, uh, but I'm not sure that gives the 49ers the best path to success if Purdy goes down in the opening series and Darnold has to come in to bail them out. Hey, dude, really, really how, do you, how do you bet college basketball? Because um, <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> because, you know, I'm sitting here, the biggest lock of the week for me, Uh-oh. my biggest lock of the week was Tennessee at home to South Carolina. <laughs> they lose the dang game outright. And, I, I mean, I know I, I wasn't getting a lot of juice, but I put it in a parlay with uh, some other points uh, that I got right, but I money line Tennessee, which was the one sure thing that gave me just down. a little bit more, and I lose that one. And then last night uh, with my friends at mybookie.ag, I'm sitting there, 
and there is no way Wisconsin's going to lose on the road to Nebraska. And they're up 16. How do you 18, bet? 18. Uh, they're up 18. How do you bet basketball? These road games, if you're a ranked team, just seem like they're not even trying, man. <laughs> it's always a delicate landmine for some of these teams uh, when they go on the road, especially teams inside the top five, top ten. We saw interesting line movement between the Wisconsin-Nebraska game yesterday. The Badgers opened one and a half. You saw professional money come in on the dog, took it to Nebraska minus one, and there was a little bit of buyback before tip-off, and you thought watching that first half that it was going to be a runaway freight train for Wisconsin. So whatever Coach Hoiberg said to his bunch in the locker room to get that team to rally and then hold on for dear life in overtime, typically where the inferior team goes to die, pretty impressive. But in terms of betting money line parlays, you know, we have a term for that that we used to use behind the counter Dunaway, and we called those bridge jumper parlays <laughs> because people walk up to the window on a Saturday, they want to take four or five double-digit favorites, and they're simple song and a dance what could possibly go wrong with a superior team on paper losing games happens all the time in college hoops it happens quite frankly in college football on a regular basis as well so you have to err on the side of caution do your due diligence uh, and make sure that you at least like some of these bigger favorites to potentially cover the number rather than thinking you can add a few cents to a parlay by just tacking on a 15 or 16 point favorite hey listen you want a bridge jumper uh, imagine last night when I when I find out LeBron and AD are not going to play for the Lakers. Easy, and, free leg, and, free and, leg with the Boston Celtics <laughs> minus sixteen. Hopefully, you tie that into everything as well. A game where I'm not sure they led after the first two minutes in that contest. And I take the Celtics giving sixteen and a half is what I got it at. Good and Lord. I think to myself, what an easy night this is going to be. And they lose the game outright. Urban said they didn't lead after the two minutes. I mean, when you do this. That was one of the biggest numbers that I'd seen at halftime for an NBA game. Uh, when you look, the Celtics were a 15-and-a-half-point favorite chasing you know, right around a 14- or 15-point deficit at the break. And I think the closest they got in the second half was within nine. They looked like they were out to lunch from start to finish. But look, Dunaway, all you're doing here is creating excellent marketing opportunities for the folks at mybookie.ag. They can come up with the fade Dunaway parlay on a nightly basis, and you will have the same prominent placement on their website that I imagine. Imagine the fade LeBron parlay will have on DraftKings now that he's forged a partnership to try and talk the NFL with them going forward. Yeah, for <laughs> that 15 and a half at halftime was insane. I mean, that's eight, eight minutes of basketball, basically. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask, I wanted to go back to the NFC Championship game because something you never see is a team down 17 that takes a double-digit lead, minus seven and a half, and ends up not covering. <laughs> and again, I had San Francisco, what I could not believe, and I bought a full point, which I never do. Um, I cannot believe Dan Campbell, not only some of the in-game decisions, but when he had fourth down on that final drive, instead of kicking the three, he goes for the touchdown. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you having the 49ers minus seven or anything around there was a bad beat, knowing that they were outside the number for what felt like about 37 seconds of game time. Now, from an optimal game standpoint and strategy position, Dan Campbell didn't do anything right in the final minutes of that contest because most likely the best scenario to give them an opportunity to get the ball back for the second score would have been to kick a field goal when Sam Laporta went out of bounds right around the 11-yard line. Instead, Campbell elects to burn that time out running the football on third down and to your point, LT, kick the field goal on fourth to at least give yourself an opportunity should that fall, you know, 
if that ball comes incomplete, the game's over. So, yeah, Dan Campbell didn't do a whole heck of a lot uh, from start to finish there from an optimal game strategy standpoint, at least in the final quarter, to get you where you needed to go. But it is extremely rare, to your point, uh, that an NFL team can be facing a 17-point deficit at any juncture of the game, find themselves out outside the number, only to have better see their guts get ripped out with a backdoor touchdown uh, from the dog chasing. Okay, I, I will not take any heat for this, though. I did not bet Nick Dunlap in his first tournament as a professional. But I, but, I, but I watched him yesterday, and he's plus four. He's tied for 77th, which I think is last place. A little reality check, I guess, when you're not the amateur uh, playing for the win and you're playing for money out there. Yeah, it's a lot more pressure, uh, especially when you can go out there and dance between the raindrops at a price of 300 to 1 thereabouts. You know, when he wins his first tournament, you look at the pebble and the way the course is played. going to be interesting uh, to see what the weather elements look like. Uh, but if, clearly right now a relatively short favorite in Patrick Cantley, who goes out there and kind of finishes with a pretty strong performance. But look, some familiar names up there. And who knew the mad Frenchman and Matthew Pavon may have a chance to win yet another tournament. But should be a lot of fun if the weather holds off for us uh, in the Monterey Peninsula to give us some good golf throughout the course uh, of the weekend, knowing that we have 80 players in a no-cut field. So I think we'll have a lot of comers and goers throughout the Uh, next three rounds. And by the way, Liv has their season opener in Mexico. So half the field has fill-in-the-blank. I mean, look, we've all been to Mexico. We've all drank the water in the past. Montezuma's Revenge makes it tough to go out there and play a full 18. But, you know, maybe this is the PGA folks going down there trying to contaminate the food and water supply. And we have a true war amongst golfers and two competing factions right now. We're going to find out the PGA is uh, in bed with the cartel. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, hey, whatever it takes to get where you need to go to get this deal across the finish line with the $3 billion or whatever's been ponied up to try and give some of the PGA Tour players Mm -hmm. a little bit of equity in their product. All right, Todd Furman on Twitter at Todd Furman, and you can get all the games. BetTheBoardPodcast.com. That is BetTheBoardPodcast.com. Furman, thank you very much for the time. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Enjoy the great slate of college basketball on Saturday. Dunaway, I'm sure you'll find plenty of fades and can't wait to come up with a little bit more concrete, actionable stuff for us uh, next week with the Super Bowl on tap. Money line are all the road teams in the top ten matchups. I'm Duke, Houston, and Tennessee. That's my play tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, LT, you may want to give out all three the opposite yeah, way to your clients. I'm guaranteed there's a two and one in that, <laughs> if not a three and a See you first. Thank you. Uh, JohnstonRVCenter.com hotline uh, is where you found Furman.